Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Tech 5G, a podcast series from AT&T for the public sector. I'm Christopher Parente, industry consultant and former marketing director at CTIA, and I'd like to welcome Chris Smith, vice president of technology for AT&T Public Sector. Chris is a 20-year federal technology veteran who's currently focused on helping to build out new end-to-end service offerings for AT&T's public sector clients. Well, it's great to talk to you. Um, I know you have been, you know, formerly a longtime federal CIO, so how do you see 5G affecting government networks? Well, good to be with you, Chris. This is disruptive, right? It's transformative. Uh, I think if a CIO steps back and looks at their end-to-end set of capabilities, there should already be a wireless component, right? You've got the wire line uh, within the buildings. You've got some Wi-Fi. You've got mobility out to the edge. Uh, 5G is really going to just take that to the next level. So CIO should be looking at the enterprise, thinking about how does this ubiquitous high-speed, low-latency capability fit in their mission profile. So, you know, today I think we've largely used smart devices uh, as a extension of office products. Uh, we really haven't taken full advantage of the sensors that are on the device, and that's coming. But 5G, I think, is going to accelerate that additionally, because if you think about a field worker out there uh, and the, uh, the amount of content that's tailored to what they need to do, this immersive experience, 5G is really just going to better enable that. You can do that today uh, with 4G, but not at the throughput and the speeds that we expect where there will be no time. You know, if the applications are developed correctly, uh, there won't be any lag whatsoever in screen flow, the ability to use those sensors that are in these smart devices to actually execute the mission out there. Again, I said this tailored immersive, right? Have Just think of your field worker out there um, looking at bridge infrastructure uh, in a city, the ability to have all those you know, that myriad of of technical um, description and content at your fingertips and then perhaps be able to do some modeling right there at the side of the bridge and have a better outcome more quickly for public safety or, you know, revitalization and modernization. You know, I've read one of the most exciting capabilities um, is around smart bases. Is that correct? Yeah, if you look at what's been going on with smart cities, right, we've had a number of cities around the country take advantage of this proliferation of sensors, whether it's smart lighting uh, in the cityscape with a, you know, a seismic sensor on that same light pole, the ability to efficiently manage the light. You could even use that as a, as a cellular or Wi-Fi access point. Taking that concept and taking it to a base, which is really its own small city, but it also has a national security concern, right, being a, 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 a military base. Uh, taking those capabilities and extending them uh, just in that same aspect on maybe public safety with on the base, but talk about security of the perimeter, right? We've had uh, the privilege to work with base where they had a couple of spots on, on the uh, campus, the base there, where they needed uh, better security coverage, uh, traditional barrier or fence didn't make sense, so we actually took uh, infrared towers, solar-powered, placed them about 100 meters apart across this 500-meter area, put cameras on top of that, and then when a barrier was broken on that part of the base where heretofore they had to have a security policeman perhaps sitting there if there was high activity in that area or they need to be protecting that part of the, the infrastructure, you'd have to have a policeman parked there 24 by 7 for the period, maybe let's just say three days. Um, the ability to see an event occur when that fence line was broken uh, wirelessly, take a video of that, 
pass that information securely encrypted across the LTE network, bring that back into a base operating center where then you could actually dispatch the closest police cruiser, which, oh, by the way, had a fleet tracker in it, and then, you know, have the outcome that you expect is to respond quickly, make sure the public safety is taken care of, if it's a true defensive intrusion, uh, you know, catch the perpetrator and move on. These capabilities are really just the tip of the iceberg. We even had a radar capability in which on one part of the facility um, the security really was focused around cars entering a, a portion of the base, but there was also a pedestrian transit way. And so uh, instead of having one officer necessarily watch pedestrians and another one watching cars, we could use this radar capability to alert the police, you know, individual that was there and take care of that. So, you know, these capabilities are only going to get better and faster, and there are going to be more of them when we start to introduce 5G. Uh, you can think about the R&D uh, activities, the training that goes on on a base, and the ability to use, again, this high-speed, very low-latency set of capabilities where you don't need to have wires, right? And, uh, you know, and so I really think we're at the tip of the iceberg on the use cases that are out there. What's the intersection between 5G and what I believe AT&T calls multi-access edge computing. Yeah, it's a bit of back to the future because we've been, you know, in the, in the CIO and the IT world, we've been on this effort to centralize uh, compute into data centers and the cloud. Uh, we're now actually going to push a lot of that back out to the edge. You'll still have cloud, public, private. Um, you'll have, you know, maybe dedicated data centers with your own clouds in it, plus the public cloud that's out there uh, and, and lots of different flavors of it. Multi-access edge compute is really about keeping the data, right? So if you think about a ubiquitous 5G uh, network laid out across a smart base, a campus, a city, uh, we have the ability to take any information that's on that and keep it on the customer premise and apply, again, the, you know, the advances we've had around virtualization in the cloud and storage, use that cheap commodity compute storage and now the network uh, to deliberate to make decisions, not have to haul all that information back to the data. So there may be cases where you still want to do that, bring it back to a, a, a public cloud somewhere in the country or around the globe. Uh, but this really allows you to actually execute at the edge. So we like to use uh, video uh, inferencing at the edge is a good example. If you think about a camera on a street corner, 24 by 7, capturing information, uh, the you know when an event actually occurs, it's almost like finding the, the needle in the haystack, and you've got all this data, and the question is, do you pull it, bring all that to the back? How long do you store it? You know, just for this one little event that you may have to take action on. And so when you think about multi-mech, uh, multi-access edge compute, you can do that right at the device, right? You could keep that right at the edge. You could use things like AI, artificial intelligence, or machine learning to look for the uh, anomalous activity, trigger on that, and then dispatch somebody immediately versus having all that stuff in the background trying to sort through it. Somebody's looking at multiple screens, might miss something. The event triggers, right, an immediate reaction. So edge compute and video, that's one example. But if you think about... Um, uh, you know, if you think about the National Institutes for Health just up the road here in Bethesda, the biggest uh, biomedical research uh, concern on the planet, right? They have this, this huge, huge campus working on some of the most cutting-edge things around medical um, and biology, and the ability to do that compute there, 
perhaps not have to send it around the globe. Send it around the globe if you want to, if you're working with other academic institutions. But the ability to have that kind of supercompute capability, I'm, I'm going from edge now to supercompute, yeah. but you know, you can put as much horsepower at the edge that you want to manage your information, and it's actually closed on the 5G network. We can, through network slicing, give a dedicated portion of the network so it never leaves your enterprise. Stays right there, you do the execution against the data that you want to find the insights and the outcomes that you're looking for, and move on. Now, if you want to continue to go back to public cloud and there's something there or in between, you've got that option too, right? Extend the network securely so you have the enterprise cloud capabilities out there uh, for reach back, but you can also do stuff at the edge. And it actually gets even a little more interesting. We have a concept called network edge compute. So in between that, just off the campus before you get to a cloud provider, so where we actually have infrastructure on our portion of the network, you could actually do some things there as well if you didn't want to backhaul again and you didn't want to do it on campus. So it really starts to give people a lot of kind of fine-grained um, capabilities and control over what it is they do, where they do it, and how quickly they can find the insights out of it. And I will add to that, security is a, is a key component of that, because now think about the ability to do security at each point along that continuum. Mm -hmm. It's pretty exciting. These are amazing commercial capabilities. Are, are the decision makers you're talking to becoming more comfortable with the idea of leveraging commercial instead of building their own? They are. I think the only way you're going to keep up in today's age, right? I mean, let's look at defense in, in particular, right? There will always be a need for purpose-built systems, but we have got to take advantage of the creativity and the ingenuity of, of uh, the private sector. And we do that better, I think, than any nation on the planet, you know, industry, government, academia, working together. So the question is, how can defense, uh, homeland security, department of agriculture, you name the mission, you know, if they invest one dollar in, in, in our infrastructure, partnering with us to execute their mission, I fully believe they come back with a $3 return on that because we are changing, moving, refreshing at a rate um, that's just not possible when you try to go it alone. So it, it, it's, it's, it's the way you stay ahead. It's the way you leapfrog if you've got a lot of legacy investments that are out there. So very promising, I think, that, and we'll continue to see people double down on commercial capabilities. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing that a government decision maker should be thinking about regarding 5G? Yeah, I, it's always about the mission, right? So I think from that lens or that perspective, what do I need to do to best execute against uh, the charter that I've got out there? When you step back and you look at a capability like 5G, the first thing you should be doing is looking at your architecture and you know this enterprise class network that crosses both wireline uh, and wireless out to your campuses, to your field offices, to people in the field, people on the move. How do I take advantage of that? And I, you know. Mobility, we've only touched the surface, I believe, within our government mission sets. It's, it's about office productivity, a little bit of workflow. But when you can start to execute with the citizen engaging at the front, making decisions at the point that you may have driven, let's say, 50 miles one way if we're out in our national parks or, or rural areas and working with people, if you can have the information you need to do to make a technical decision and do it right there, that's a critical outcome, right? If you're a maneuver unit on the battlefield and you need that situational awareness and just the right amount of data, how do we use the wireless commercial spectrum that's out there? So, you know, I think it's the, the mission outcome you're looking for. How do I use this, this extended hybrid network at the wireless edge? And then it's really about how do I architect that then, right? The, the job of the CIO uh, is to really take IT and deliver that mission that they're, they're, they're up against. Start with DOD. Uh, if you think about, you know, how 
the mission is carried out, if you're talking about a maneuver unit or anybody out, out in the field, right, you've got to know what's going on around you. Uh, we have massive amounts of information coming in uh, to those units. Right now you may have an, uh, an aerial uh, asset in a satellite, you may have a drone, uh, you've got information coming from the operations center, you've got other maneuver units around you feeding you massive amounts of information. The question is how do we sort through and get the most salient pieces of information that doesn't overload uh, you know, the individual on the move, but also give it to them in a way that they've got situational awareness, right? And so I think what's interesting where we've seen training scenarios in virtual reality, you know, over the past five, ten years in which it's immersive, there is no outside of what you're doing, it, you can learn a lot from that. But augmented reality is the next stage in this, how do you have that situation, what kind of form factor are you utilizing? And so we, we're in partnership with a company in which, you know, they've got a, a pair of glasses and you have full visibility what's going on and the information that's coming at you is kind of in a computer interface and you can start to make decisions, you can pull up technical diagrams, you could take that video feed. And so I think that's where ultimately we're going to see 5G go, because right now the amount of compute you need to synthesize that information and have it with you on the move, uh, right now the form factor is down to what we're calling a, a, a puck right now, still a little large, but ultimately with 5G, with that communication and that compute not necessarily having to happen on the body, we should be able to feed things in a much smaller form factor into that situational awareness. I use DOD, but you could talk about public safety, right, when you think about firefighters or police, any first responder out there, having that situational awareness, having, you know, building diagrams at disposal. Yes, we have them on vehicles today, but think about having that on the fly. Uh, use one more example. You think of the Forest Service, right? They are the master Forest Service, National Park Service, in fighting wildfires and forest fires. They are the masters of incident control. They will come together, uh, take agencies, multiple federal agencies, whether it's Park, um, Park Service and Department of Interior, Forest Service, Department of Agriculture. There'll be local police, right? Think out in the West, uh, big states bringing in their firefighters. The National Guard may come in. Uh, you know, and the, the information they've got to sort through when they stand up that camp, right, is, is very limited by the reach back that they have and what they can synthesize of that forward operating base, right? And again, it's the same things. It's satellite imagery. It's drone imagery. It's the crews around you. It's weather patterns. It's geography. You know, right now, much of that is paper-based. When you think about the capabilities of 5G in a campus setting like that in an incident management, you could synthesize all that data there and give it to an individual on a tablet right, and have that pre-packaged for them to go out and obviously as, as far as they have connectivity, you're going to be able to feed them real-time information, but when they go off, having that latest picture could mean life or death, right, property or life, and so uh, it's, it's very exciting when you start to think about the capabilities that are going to underpin this and you talk about how do you take all that data, again, focused on the mission, but, you know, it opens the, the arena not just from augmented reality, but then to uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, right? How are those things helping more quickly synthesize, get the best information to the crew that needs the time? You know, I, I've said many times when we look at new technologies, you always go in eyes wide open. Um, you know, I always say stick a big toe in the water, but in this case with these capabilities, I'm really saying, hey, look, the water's warm, come on in, jump right in, uh, because we know how to do mobility. We're getting better performance, better security, optimum cost, and this is really a mission enabler, right? It is a mission enabler. I like that analogy. Thank you for your time today, Chris. For our listening audience, if you want to learn more about 5G in the public sector, visit the bit.ly link, that's bit.ly front slash att 
5G Summit.